Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Friendo Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you'll be listening to right here at youtube.com forward slash Steve and Larson. Available wherever podcasts can be found. And of course, taped live at the Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Steve and Larson. I'm doing everything I can right now not to do the intro in Stone Cold Voice after having listened to uh, about an hour and 11 minutes of the Broken Skull Sessions. One more Whoa. round. Is that a shoot? About that plenty. We're gonna be talking about that plenty here in a little bit, so you can get out of you then, okay? Can I? Can I? I need to issue an apology first, though. We got some business to take care of. I, I, I need to apologize. I noticed in the comments of our Survivor Series recap, and I think the genesis of a couple of the dislikes, people gave us a couple of the thumbs down, Larson, were because I was insensitive and. Uh, how do I put this? I underestimated the emotional impact mm. of a certain yeah. cameo via yes. hologram last yes. night. I yes. apologize to anyone I offended for calling Paul Bear's hologram goofy. Uh, I didn't mean to try to soil the moment in your hearts for The Undertaker paying tribute to Paul Bear. Uh, so I apologize for that. I'm not huge on holograms, yeah, but I understand I think, yeah. people out there might be big on holograms and their emotional impact therein. Well, I think I, th I think you appreciate from an emotional storytelling standpoint, emotional uh, standpoint, what they were trying to achieve there, the yeah. means by which they achieved it didn't strike a chord with you. That's a subjective thing. That's right. Uh, and that's why what you were trying to express, you weren't trying to belittle anybody's emotional attachment to the moment or 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 the uh, the relationship between Undertaker and Paul Bear. I know you well enough to know that's not the case. You're just trying to say the means by which they tried to present that they presented that to us last night didn't strike a chord with you. Cause yes? damn son, holograms freak me out. They look like ghosts. <laughs> I don't need ghosts in my in my wrestling ring. Talk about that. <laughs> I, I felt kind of because like people were people were all I checked Twitter last night after like I yeah. said that and yeah, I noticed some of the comments everybody thought it was pretty great even Adam <laughs> Pacini was like I got emotional to hologram I'm like really <laughs> it's a hologram 
and it wasn't even moving. So, anyways. I'll tell you, man. I don't tell you. Apologies. I'm not. Okay. I think part of it. Part of it is is this a little bit. I saw the Undertaker retire. We both did. We were yeah, there live. And even though I had kind of a miserable experience at that WrestleMania because of the blinking lights and how close we were and all that kind of stuff, uh, that moment I did kind of treasure. I was like, wow, that's powerful. I got yeah. to sit there and see the Undertaker retire because he put down his hat and his coat and it, his gloves, all those and the gloves and all the fans there. It was a big, big moment. And I was like, wow, yeah, it's it was great. unexpected. It was completely unexpected. We right. were not expecting that to happen. It's like, whoa. And then he comes back and again and again. And then they do a documentary series and he says goodbye there, basically. So this was like the third time I'd seen him say goodbye. And we're going to get another time at the, at the Hall of Fame whenever he gets inducted. You know this isn't the last time he's going to say goodbye on camera. You know that. So it, it just didn't. I, I, I do have when it comes to undertaker retiring i have a bit of a cynical point of view i i love the guy I, his career is great it's great it's it's like mount rushmore i would definitely do that i would definitely say that that being said i've seen him say goodbye a couple times already and hologram like the last time i gave thought to a hologram was when kim kardashian said that kanye west got her a hologram of her dad which i'll be honest when I put myself in those shoes and I think of somebody getting me, if my if my father passes away at some point, which I hope he never does, but if he does, and then somebody would turn around and give me a hologram, I'd be a little weirded out by it. I'm not really making my case any better. I should have just said I'm sorry and shut up, but still. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Somebody said I need really to check not. my pulse. Really? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you that seem, you seem that, fine. that, you that seem comment fine. that comment got twenty six likes. Wow, <laughs> their comments. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Anyways. Wow. Speaking Anyways, while we're on the topic of Undertaker, might as well get into it. So, uh, following Survivor Series last night, Undertaker was the guest on uh, Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin again. Uh, this time, a two-hour round. One more round. Yes, they drank a lot more in this episode. Um, that was. They great, had several yeah. more rounds. It was great. Yeah, yeah they did. Um, and uh, uh, covered a lot of stuff. Obviously, they didn't cover the first time around. Uh, Undertaker, you can just tell, has a wealth, a vault, a mat, like a, a Fort Knox esque vault of incredible stories. A pure gold. That that to me, to add some context to my apology, that to me means so much more than like a formal ceremony of him leaving and saying goodbye. You want story I, time with Mark Calloway. That's that means really a lot more to me yeah. because it's like, man, this guy, like like you said, is a wealth, a treasure treasure trove, yep. a, a giant, uh, a Grand Canyon-sized pot of doubloons of stories, and that's what Steve here is all about. That's what I love, yeah. and so I, I've... I slept in a little bit today, so I watched the first hour and eleven minutes of it. So we've got some good stuff to talk about. We do, and we do. I watched all the can, last like story time minutes. with Larson. Yeah, okay. So uh, apart from the Buzz Sawyer stuff and how he broke in the business, I kind of feel like a lot of the stuff in the first uh, Broken Skull sessions with Undertaker was kind of stuff that was relatively well known. I mean, you got it from his perspective, which is new, but it wasn't like the major story beats of his career, especially getting to the business. Uh, this is all a lot of this was stuff is like. All right, I heard rumors. Austin saying, "I heard rumors of this and this and this happening. Can you comment on this?" 
um, this was much example. more. Yeah, it was much more of a shoot style. Yes. You know, in terms of yes. the content, that's the kind of stuff we like. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, kind of the, the the most obvious example of that was when they uh, Stone Cold brought up uh, WrestleMania 14. Yeah. Chatter about Sean not wanting to drop the belt that day, being tough to work with, and whether it was actually true that Undertaker was was there at gorilla position, uh, essentially ready to beat up Shawn Michaels to ensure that Stone Cold left Mania 14 with that title. And that, yeah. uh, that's in the affirmative. That is largely true. What was what was great about the minutia of that story, the detail, was <clears throat> he didn't tell anybody. All he had to do was sit at gorilla position with his with his uh, uh, with hands taped, taped up, up yeah. with his hands taped up, and everybody understood. There was no like he didn't tell anybody. It was just nope. he went there because he felt like if he needed to go and legitimately go out there, like I mean, talk about talk about one of the missed all time opportunities. To, to to create a lasting story is the idea that Shawn Michaels might have considered just walking out during the match, I guess getting a count out or something, and then Undertaker coming out and the main event of WrestleMania and and legitimately putting him back in the ring so that they could shoot a pin on him. Oh, what a missed opportunity that was. I really wish that, that would have happened at this point because that would have been crazy. Um, and there's a, a, a great layer added to it because uh, both uh, Austin and, and Undertaker are like, yeah, neither of us like Shawn Michaels. Like, professionally enjoyed working with them. Great to be in the ring with. But uh, on a personal level, outside of the ring, they didn't like him. Until mm -hmm. he returned, mm -hmm. you know, for a second run. Everybody says, changed man. Yeah. Completely yeah. changed. Yeah. Um, and Undertaker says he's like one of my, my closest friends. Mm -hmm. Says, I love him. I love Shawn Michaels. Back then, no. Now, totally do. So I guess he tells the story of one at one point. I guess Sean had caught wind of this story and goes to the Undertaker and goes, "Hey, is that true? Were you were you going to beat me up?" And Undertaker says, "I told him no. I lied to him. <laughs> I lied to him." <laughs> had you let me ask you this while we're on the subject of because while they were talking about HBK, Undertaker dropped a term that I had not heard before, and I'm curious to know if you had, and it tickled me endlessly. When he was talking about one of the one of the uh, strengths of Shawn Michaels, given that he was usually an undersized guy, mm -hmm. and he would sell for you, but when he would lay in his offense, it would look real. And Undertaker said, "You know, every match eventually comes down to knucks." And then yeah. he said, "What I've heard before," he said, "eventually it comes down to throwing soup bones." Yeah, had you heard that term before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I had never heard that term before. It tickled me pretty much. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, and then that story kind of relates to Montreal Screwjob. So you got Undertaker's perspective of that when you know uh, it went down. He was upset. He was trying to stand up for the boys. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was interesting to hear both Taker and Austin say, okay, once they understood Vince's point of view, they weren't as upset about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so interesting there uh you know granted they, they, the story could have come from the last nine minutes of the show nothing about whether sid crapped his pants at mania 13 that's really the story i want to get details on yeah we really should have plunked down for one of those cameos so he could just shoot on that really quick did you uh, get a chance to look at any of the cameos that I saw a couple of them yeah they're pretty great they're pretty great you know some funny. of them some of them are so heartwarming because it's like a mom sending a cameo to her kid who's starting a new like at mm -hmm. a new school and, you know, the kid's a big Undertaker fan. Some of them, like, real. I mean, obviously some of them are kind of cheesy, but, 
you know, they're they're all they're all so and I know they're like they cost a ton of money, but the, you know the guy is high in demand. Um, you know, so they they are they are pretty heartwarming. Some of these they are like, the one thing that I I had a hard time getting past. Mm-hmm. Is the 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 curtains in the background look like he was he was prepping for a stand up routine in the on the Tonight Show in the seventies? You know, <laughs> you know, no. But actually, this speaks to something that I mentioned back when we were talking about this whole cameo business. Is that this ain't him in his garage? I mean, it's still filmed no, no, no. vertically. He was he was like, all right, I got thirty to do. I'm gonna stand right here backstage, probably a Survivor Series or mm-hmm, yeah, the arena over the course of the weekend, and just hammered him out in costume, in character. Yep. And I do think that especially if you're a mom uh, or a parent and you're trying to do something special for your kid, uh, you know, I would rather I would rather be like, wow, I'll plunk down an extra uh, premium for them to use their names for them to get in their costumes. What's that? Said a significant premium. You know, man, I just kind of want Mark Calloway dropping a promo to me. That's what I want. If it's you and me. Well, okay. So my thing is, if it's an intro that we're doing, oh, I absolutely would prefer to have him in full Undertaker. I put you down like a dar. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. That's just that's just good production right there. Um, but I could see, I, I can understand, like you know, one benefit of them doing now if they're if the wrestler getting ripped off, that sucks. But that being said, I can understand the benefit of having that premium available for sure. Oh, I understand um, that. I understand that. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Uh, yeah, he so, talked. Didn't, uh, uh, didn't he talk? He talked. It's funny because, like in the in the first one, he talked pretty extensively about Kane, and and he, they sort of go over Kane a lot in this one, or not a lot, but like about fifteen minutes. Oh, they do a good bit. He, he says one, the yeah. whole point of the first Hell in the Cell match was to build up the Kane tearing that door off, and that was like, yeah. in his mind the whole point. Mm-hmm, of, yeah. of I don't know if he necessarily means that match or the little construction of Hell in the Cell. Oh, I don't um, think. Well, yeah, I don't think that. I think that it was the entire thing. I think they probably planned to do Hell in a Cell once. Didn't realize that it was going to mm-hmm. be as cool as it was. Yeah. And they would do it 40 more times. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, the, cool. the the point of it was let's do something that nobody else could get through. And, and Kane rips Kane the door off does. the hinges and gets in. Yeah. yeah um, that goes to the match pretty extensively. The, the, the first Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels um, and talks about Kane, talks about first working with him in Smoky Mountain. Um, and working with him once and saying, oh, this guy needs to come to New York. Uh, they go through the second Hell in the Cell, the one with Foley, quite a bit. Um, the, I don't know if this is new, but it was new to me. Um, but he talked about, you know, obviously the throw off the top, how he didn't want to do that. But then the spot where he choke slams him and Foley is going through that panel on the cell. And he says they're up there brawling and, and, and it looked like because he saw them fall to the to the mat after that panel fell off, essentially twist ties was keeping that on because mm. he says the plan was for that not to break completely, but for it to kind of for it to kind of give way a little bit, Ooh. and they would kind of make their way down back into the ring, like maybe one corner of it was supposed to fall, and they use that to get back in the ring rather than yeah. to climb back down or something. He didn't really go into great detail, but 
like that that panel was gimmicked to kind of give away a little bit, but it was gimmicked too much. And he said he felt like he 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 could see like the rivets and and the little twist ties, uh, like flying off while they're up there brawling. And so he delivered that choke slime. He's like, I need to step back, otherwise I'm going through this thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Yeah, I'm looking. For if he had to... gone through that, he said he said he would have landed right on top of Foley. Did he say what his sort of initial gut reaction was when he saw Foley? He just wanted fall to see through. him move. Okay, yeah. So he said, you know, cause as soon as that happens, like everybody's in 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 the cell and in the ring checking on him. Yeah. And he just says, "I'm going to stay up here. I'm just he's just watching for any part of Foley that he could see to make sure that he's moving." Because he said, from his vantage point, it looked like Foley landed right on his head. Oh my God. And he said that, and he said he had a, a he had an out of body experience when he threw him off the cell the first time. Yeah, he says like the only time it's ever happened to him because he could see, you know, Foley for that one or two seconds falling through the falling through the table. At the same time, he could see himself watching Foley falling through the table. Wow. I mean, that's got to be a situation where you think, all right, there's a chance I could just like literally throw this guy off the cell. It's choreographed, and we agreed to do it, but this could result in serious injury or worse. I've, I, I'm sure I mean, that's that's the sensation going through your body that's that's hard to really fathom. I've always been shocked at just how little margin of error there is when anybody <laughs> comes off the cage. Uh, whenever Shane does even his elbow from the top on onto the commentary, let alone somebody coming off. I mean, it's one thing when uh, Shawn Michaels did it off the side the first time. Even then when he did it, like you see, he he lands like about probably a couple inches, like six inches or so, a little too close to where the, the chairs are. He almost overshoots yeah. it, exactly. Um, but like, you know, when Owens went off, uh, I think, uh, didn't, who did Braun? When Shane went off the top, there was a crash pad. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, when, when, when Braun threw Kevin Owens, it wasn't hell in yeah. a cell, it was a cage. When he threw yeah. him off that, that was crazy. That was still like really high up there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that is it, it it's crazy to think that they just I mean they just went up there and did it and Foley was mm-hmm. able to to get the right, you know, he was well, able he to measure hit it, it and out. He kind of off too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he kind of he's kind of hit it and slid off towards the the chairs behind commentary too. Yeah. Um another pretty interesting bit was uh Taker talking about getting burned at a uh, Elimination Chamber 2010. Um mm. and he talks about a uh, so apparently just two weeks prior to that show, he uh, had a conversation with the pyro guy mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, the, the, the pyro's getting too close. Oh, wow. When I make my entrance, um, can we push it back? So, you know, I, I'm not at risk of getting burned. And the guy would just said, oh, it must be a draft in the building. Um, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, two weeks later, uh, you know, Taker says he was walking up and like the first bit was at his, on his left. He turns away from it only for another thing of it to come to his Ugh. right. Yeah. And what's interesting, so he was wearing like the duster long sleeve jacket. Mm-hmm. And he says just right before he was going to come out, he did two things. One, um, he was champion at the time. And so initially he was going to wear the the coat that was like a vest, so sleeveless, mm-hmm. but long. But he's like, well, I'm going to wear the belt and I want, you know, I want people to see the belt. So I'll wear the duster style jacket instead. Second, he said, uh, I'm going to be in that chamber for 20 minutes before I get in the match. By the time that time uh, uh, goes by, my hair is going to be dry. As he says, mm-hmm. I won't be able to see, I guess, because his hair will be everywhere. I'm going to dump another bottle of water on my head before I go out. Mm-hmm. And he credits those two things from saving him from getting burned worse. Because he yeah. said uh, he hit the, the pod and his skin was already starting to blister up on his chest. Uh, 
and then there were people under the ring that were handing him bottles of water so he could pour on himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, they showed a picture of his jacket, the sleeve. So, you know, it was like a full-length sleeve. Went down to his wrist. And he said after going through the fire and taking it off, it went to, like, his elbow. It oh just shrunk God. up so much. Jeez. Leather jacket. Yeah. So he said he had to wait 20 minutes. And while he was pouring water on himself um, and trying to calm himself down, he was telling people uh, ringside that the the pirate guy had to be fired. <laughs> That's just good. two weeks ago, I, I talked to him yeah. about toning that stuff down or bringing it or taking it back away from the stage, and but it could have been a heck of a lot worse if yeah, he had worn no that kidding. that that other other coat. That could have been real bad. Uh, perhaps the most uh, entertaining part of the whole thing was uh, wrestlers' court. Yeah, that a pretty was pretty extensive saw that. Yeah. bit about wrestlers' court. Um, and we'd heard about Russell's court that Undertaker was kind of the jury of the whole thing, but we never really got uh, his perspective on kind of the ins and outs of it all. It seemed, for the most part, he he described it as as by and large something that was just fun to do as a pastime, but also it was a way to let wrestlers know, hey, you might want to tone this stuff down before the office starts to notice. I mean, the example he tells. Um, apparently with Teddy Long's permission was how uh, apparently Teddy Long was selling, uh, he had gotten some Viagra for free and was selling it uh, to the boys and then once they found out that he got it for free, they were upset about it because as Undertaker says uh, yeah, Teddy wasn't out there taking bumps mm-hmm. uh, his, his impression of Mae Young was actually pretty spot on that was because pretty she was called as a witness and he still, he's like, and Austin was like, a witness to what? And he was like, I still don't know. Uh, I don't know why she was a witness, but she was a witness. And all she kept on saying was, you young guys, why do you need to use Niagara? And he was like, no, man, it's, it's Viagra. And she's like, oh, you, you shouldn't be having to use this. You're young. <laughs> and yeah. his, But his impression of her, like the, 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 his, uh, his vocal pattern, his intonation was hilariously yeah. exactly like May Young. I thought he did a yeah. pretty good job. He it was, it they was talked about JBL being terrible, whether he was on the defense or on the prosecution side. It's too over he the was top. Always too flamboyant, too over the top. Thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and then Teddy Long was found guilty as charged. <laughs> they didn't mention what his uh, what his uh, oh, what, what the, his punishment, punishment was. was. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Grothkirth has a quote from about the pyro guy. He said that pyro guy better not be in the building when I get back. Hmm. Yeesh. Uh, somebody back here mentioned, uh, let's see here. Where was it? Oh, so like there was some sort of like zoom call talk between triple H HBK and undertaker. Uh, and I don't know where this is going to air, but I did see a, a little bit of it. Uh, O dog here brings it up. Uh, cause I just saw it last night on Twitter. Maybe somebody can uh, let us know where it can actually be found. But, uh, HBK said something like, uh, at least my finisher is still it, jokingly said. At least my finisher is still being protected. Triple H calls it the DDT of the millennial era, and then Taker, if I recall, says, "Yeah, that's the move you do after a lockup." Now, <laughs> it was pretty damn funny. That I is pretty see funny. The rest of that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home. It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do 
is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yeah. Um, Taker talks about uh, 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 Ric Flair challenge him to a drinking contest. And and, and I, I can't remember the exact uh, phrase Undertaker used, but it was like he pretty much said he was in his prime for... I think he said like after the show activities or something like that. Like he was in prime drinking form. Yeah, he was prime um, drinker. Yeah, exactly. And he said that after Ric Flair fell asleep about two hours before they got to their destination, uh, he he laid Flair out across a row of seats, uh, crossed his arms over his chest. <laughs> and gave him some and little said, some fangs using some cut out mm-hmm. pieces of napkin. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny stuff. It was pretty and funny. Uh, I, 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 so I sort of left off on... I got through all of it, but I left off on, uh, and this is something that I was always curious about. <clears throat> Austin brings up <coughs> when uh, uh, Brock Lesnar fought Kane Velasquez at a yeah. UFC, and uh, Brock ended up losing an Undertaker. Uh, Brock comes by him as he's being interviewed by Ariel Helwani, and mm-hmm. uh, and Taker just looks at Brock and says, "You want to go?" And then Brock just yeah. walks off. Well, that was a big deal at the time. Like I remember everybody yeah, no. talking about that at the time. And because Undertaker then sort of rambles something about, well, it's a personal thing between me and Brock. And so Austin brings it up. He's like, was that a shoot? And uh, and Taker says he just stares at him and then says, business, brother. (laughs) And so he was like, you know, I wanted to create some buzz uh, for anything in the future. Didn't realize Brock was going to lose. I really thought he was going to win. And Austin said, well, that did that give you pause at all to not do this because he's in a different mindset? And he said, yeah, for a second. But then what a lot of people don't realize is that Brock made his way. He he went a different route to come by me. And so mm-hmm. he said, I at that point, I had to do it. So Well, they also Taker made it seem like that he, like Brock had some idea what might have what been about to happen. He sort of insinuated that, but I'm not yes. sure. I don't know how, like it, it was such a throwaway thought I that think, I thought I maybe Austin it was. Said, Austin says something like, "Was was Brock clued in to what was going to go happen?" And Taker says he was clued in enough or something like that. Yeah, I just I don't know. Maybe, yeah, he didn't really specify there, so I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, it seemed more like I wonder if it was more like, you know, hey, he texts Brock in advance to hey, I'm going to be here. Come say I, hi. I don't even know if it's going to be that. I wonder if it was more like, you know, Brock knows what business I'm in. So if he's going to come by me, he he's going to have the understanding that that's where I'm going to head. That that's yeah. sort of what I can. I mean, I would have thought that if yeah, if it was as specific as I texted him in advance, I imagine he would have mentioned that uh, yeah. in this. But I mean, just the fact that you know there there might be sort of an unspoken thing where if you're if you're in public and you're around another wrestler, they're going to do so, they're going to do a work. You know, they're going to they're going to work yeah, you yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, Jorge D says that the uh, Undertaker Triple H Shawn Michaels thing is on BTS Sports YouTube page. 
Oh, okay, okay, cool. We'll check I'll check later. the rest of that out that because that, that one little segment seemed hilarious. So the the last bit of, of of the second episode of Broken Skull with Taker is is him talking about uh, last ride, leading up to the Boneyard match, and and him seemingly you know hey I'm walking into this knowing full well this is my last match. Of course, at first he was planning for that to be against AJ at Mania in Raymond J- James Stadium. Um, you know, COVID happened. That didn't happen. They had the Boneyard match instead. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff was, was largely covered in, in the last ride. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still good to kind of get a, a, if you don't want to spend three hours going through last ride to get kind of a, uh, a cliff notes version of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's longer than, it's a little bit over two hours. It's a really good watch. I kind of, I think I enjoyed this one more than the first one. Um, yeah. you know. They started. They started drinking early, so they seem to uh, be more free flowing with stories. Um, but sadly, no confirmation whether Sid crapped his pants. So that's like the only disappointment I can glean from it so far. <laughs> yeah, I thought that it was. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've only gotten through the first half and some change, but so far, I mean, it's uh, there's there's not nothing that beats <clears throat> some of his stories about you know when he was coming into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the Buzz well, the Sawyer story about stuff. Buzz Sawyer opening the door naked stuff, and then like him Undertaker not wanting to come out of the egg, um, that kind yeah. of stuff. I, I really yeah. love. I, it just it just felt like a continuation with more, mm-hmm. you know, getting more of the little bits, the little curious bits that you're just that you just wonder about. I always like those maybe more than like origin stories. So mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, definitely definitely. Uh, in other news, so back when news broke of Zelina Vega's release, Russell Votes noted that uh, Zelina's husband, former NXT champion Aleister Black, had floated the idea of maybe returning to NXT, but that uh, conversation or talk had apparently fallen on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. On a recent Wrestling Observer radio, Dave Meltzer noted that Aleister, uh, and these transcripts are from Cultaholic, quote, feels like he's just been forgotten about, and that was not because of Zelina Vega. It's, uh, it just felt like that was already the case. He's forgotten about right now. It doesn't look good. I know he threw a suggestion out to go to NXT, and that was turned down. Well, yeah, he has been forgotten about. It's terrible. Like he was the hottest thing in NXT. Comes over, and then they stick him in a room. That was it. Was stupid. For eight months. I know. They put him. They put him in a ta- in a thrown together tag team, so he couldn't like stand out on his own. I mean, he's a fun tag team, but come on, man. The guy, he, he, he has loner written all over him, all over yeah, his no. gimmick. Uh, you know, they don't they don't bring him out in any sort of, like, spectacular way. Nope. And then uh, they, they put they him in They got him in that Rey Mysterio feud for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, talk about dropping the ball. And by all accounts, the guy is like a class act backstage. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, this honestly, yep. like, I, I felt, and it's funny because I don't, you can't see it now because of what they've done to him. But given his run, and if you watch his run in NXT, this guy had like Undertaker Part Two written all over him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's got the he mystique. mystique. Yeah, yep. he's got all that. He's got totally. a great move set. He does the you know the flip stuff, the, the to the sit down. It's all there. It was all there, and they have completely ruined him. It's terrible. Yep, it's it is so terrible. Bad. It's yeah. terrible. It's it's going to be a long road back for him if he stays in the main roster. Man, I hope he does go back to NXT because they know how they knew how to best utilize them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd want them to, to reimagine him a little bit, you know, do something different instead of just going back as, as what he was before. Well, I mean, as we saw with, with Finn Balor, when he went back there, that's what they did. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. he went back yeah. there. He just wasn't smiling thin. You mm-hmm. know, we got we're we're getting a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say we're getting we're getting full Prince Devitt. We're getting a little bit of that. Yeah, um, we're getting yeah we're getting as much as as much as they can do. I think. So um, um, yeah, I, I would like to think that if he were to go back to NXT, we we get the essence of Alistair Black, but maybe a slight, slightly different take on it. The precious bodily fluids of Alistair Black. Uh, also, uh, speaking of uh, some people here. Who is this in our Twitch chat? Uh, Joe Juarez says, I'd much rather see Tommy End in New Japan. Speaking of New Japan and people we want to oh. see in New Japan, the cleaner Kenny Omega. We saw him in New Japan, but hey, how cool would it be to see him now that he's in AEW, maybe uh, 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 go back and, and have some fun there every once in a while. He did an interview with the Wrestling Observer, talked about a potential AEW-New Japan partnership. That's what's on everybody's mind these days, man, is AEW-New Japan working together. Uh, and uh, he says, as well as maybe working with WWE, <laughs> not going to happen. Anyways, this is what the cleaner says. The way I kind of look at it, and I don't know the current political structure, but by how it sounds, things have opened up a little bit. I believe that companies in general, not just New Japan, but all companies, are more open-minded about working and doing things and creating friendly relationships. I do believe that if there are professional working relationships across the board, it benefits the industry as a whole. <clears throat> I think a lot of people in New Japan understand that. I think a lot of us are still friendly with one another, especially the boys. There might have been issues with office people, higher ups, but there is never an issue with anyone on the wrestling end of things. A lot of us still keep in touch. A lot of us still talk about a day where we can work with each other and all that sort of thing. All the wrestlers want to do what's best for the industry. That prov- uh, what provides the best wrestling experience for the fans. It's the guys in the suits that maybe don't understand the business. It's the guys in the suits that think what's best for business and are all sort of holding everything back. I do believe that with the recent shift that everyone in the American and Japanese division, I believe they are a little more open-minded and we've always been open-minded. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If for some reason WWE came knocking art down our door and said, Hey, we'd love to do a talent switch or trade off and whatever, or work out something I'd be all for it. Whatever benefits the wrestling fan, I believe that's got to come first. That's my answer. I don't know what Tony Khan's answer would be, but as a wrestler who has also assumed that office position, I'm thinking about the fans first and professional wrestling as a whole. I think just when you start thinking about fantasy scenarios and crossover stuff, it just gets really exciting. I think that's the shot in the arm that wrestling needs. You son of a bitch. These transcripts are from uh, Fightful. Um, That all sounds great. But, uh, you know, especially the, the WB aspect, as long as Vince is around, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, happen. But you can definitely start sort of fantasy booking out some New Japan stuff. I could see that um, potentially happening. Impact, I think they would do that right now if uh, oh, yeah. if, if Tony Khan uh, was into it. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, there's a, you know, it's it's always interesting to get. It is. I mean, it was it was it was pretty damn intriguing when Don Callis showed up to do commentary for Kenny's match at Full Gear. Mm-hmm. You're doing you know, you're doing great work over there in Impact, right? Yeah, Jr. putting Impact over. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I don't know how willing at this juncture Tony Khan would be to working with Impact right now, but at some point in the future, I mean, if if you know, because he said that and Cody said that that what does Cody say? Doors are open, bridges are down. That's his phrase. Yeah, he likes to like employ. That. Yeah, um, that seems to definitely be the case. They're open. They they realize that collaboration uh, is the key to the health of the wrestling industry. Um, 
So we'll see how we'll see what happens. Given that I am the current going in raw official uh, uh, correspondent with uh, Impact Wrestling, uh-huh. I, I would suggest this before they were to do that. I think their their knockouts division, their women's division, is on super firm territory right now. I think Deanna Perazzo mm-hmm. is the champion again after getting mm-hmm. from Sue mm-hmm. Young. Um, I do think that they would need to before Impact were to mess around with AEW. It's obvious they're looking at Moose to get that title off Rich Swan and get it on the Moose, which is a really smart idea. Let Moose have it for a good like six months, like a dominant six months, and then the stars I think would be aligned if you actually wanted to do like a big like a big deal sort of talent crossover where you have Moose, you know, uh, uh, in a really strong position because Rich Swan is their champion right now, and he's a really fantastic wrestler. He is. But mm-hmm. he's also not like a big enough name. I think Moose is like, I mean, you know, he is Mr. Impact Wrestling. So, mm-hmm. so I was, think if he is that what his Twitter handle still is? I probably. So I say get that title on Moose and uh, and then you're off to the races. You could do some really fun stuff with AEW. Agreed. Agreed. You want to answer some questions now? Yeah, we got a lot of questions over because on the Twitter. Because there's no raw preview. There's nothing. There's what? nothing on Get out Twitter. Of here. Hold on. There's a nothing on WB.com. Let me talk oh. to my people. Let me talk to my people. Nothing official. I Let me talk you. to my people. I'm going to talk to my people. Here. Let me see what I got here. What? You got connections? Uh, yeah. It's called the WWE's Twitter account. Let me see here. Uh, no, I just looked there. I just looked there. Nothing. Uh, oh, here we go. Nope. 53 minutes ago. You missed this. Bobby Lashley tweeted at Sami Zayn. Oh, I see you finally woke up. We can always run it back if you want. Bob Lashley versus Sami Zayn on Raw tonight, Larson? No. No, man. That's just them talking. No. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, there's nothing, dude. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Come nothing. on, WWE. You're struggling right now. What's going on with that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's see here. WWE News, Full Survivor Series. Nope. Nothing. 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 All right, first question here for Mr. Triple Mania, Juan Guerrero Jr. With the New Day and Batista appearing in Gears of War, which other wrestlers throughout history would you like to see appear in non-wrestling video games, and which games would they be? Uh, Sergeant Slaughter in Call of Duty. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, I understand just how terrible that idea is. <laughs> wow. I totally get it. Oh, how about this? The Forgotten Sons in Call of Duty. There you go. <laughs> In Junkyard Simulator. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's the answer right there. Who would you want to see a GTA 5 DLC revolve around? Maybe like a like a, a new online heist. Who can who can pull off a heist? Uh, now that Undertaker is retired from wrestling, oh. he needs a new revenue stream. I like it. That's good. Oh, man, that's the thing that I, I was cracking up about when Austin gets out the wine. Uh, he's like, what's all this about? And Undertaker, without saying it because he can't, basically just said this was a payday. You know, because he kind of said he's not a wine drinker. He's mm-hmm. like kind of almost embarrassed by it. He's like, you know, when opportunities come your way, you got to take advantage of them. <laughs> Look at this. It's Cabernet. Oh my uh, goodness. B man Patrick Sparks says power rank the Undertaker Sean and Undertaker Triple H-, H matches. Also, where does Flair HBK rank in that group? So we're just talking the WrestleMania ones. Or we guess we could do Hell in the Cell. 
You want to do the casket match where uh, Michael's hurt his back? We can do that one too. Uh, okay, sure. So hold on a second. We got Hell in a Cell 97. We've got 25, 26, 27, 28. Uh, we've got... Rumble 98 casket match. Uh, yeah, that's the one where uh, HBK messed his back up really bad. Yep. And then I'll throw this in. Wait, did he did he say something about Flair as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Flair, Flair, Flair HBK. And, and I'll throw in... Taker, Flair. Probably... Probably my well, no, I'm not gonna say it's my outside of the all the the four years of end of an era stuff. Outside of those matches, Taker Flair might be like my favorite match. I love that match. Um, How many do you which, have there total? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. So I would rank in terms of like yeah, end of an era is probably number one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll say. Dude, I would probably give uh, number two to Hell in a Cell 97. Like, watching the the clips of that again, that really was just a terrific match. That was really good. Um, after that, I would probably go with... Uh, I'd probably go with uh, Mania 25. Then 26, then 27, then uh, Flair HBK. Actually, you know what? I'll do this. I'm going to go 28, so end of an era, Helmel Cell 97, 25, then Flair HBK, then wow. 26, then 27, then Taker Flair. Then Royal Rumble '98. I hate. I hate watching when HBK lands on his people, back. People get hurt. It makes, I know. I got end of it. End, end of an era. Uh, twenty six. Then twenty five. Mm -hmm. Bad Blood '97. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael's Flair. Uh, wait. Do I have that? Why have that on there twice? Oh, okay. Then Flair Taker. Then Triple H Taker uh, at Mania twenty seven. Mm -hmm. And then the casket match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I got. Good. Good. Uh, Patrick Sparks, what does Rhea Ripley do now that she lost to EO and wasn't on a Survivor Series team? She's going to show up at Raw tonight. Uh, win the Royal Rumble after Charlotte beats Asuka for the, the Raw Women's title. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Combat Kev, now that Undertaker is retired, who will be the next part-timer to retire? Probably Brock. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was some chatter. Or that, Daniel like, Bryan. Daniel Bryan says this is his last year as a full-time competitor, so people probably still see him from time to time. Okay, but, but yeah, I'm talking about... my retirement. I think he's talking about a big... Retire, good, retire. Re gone. Yeah, done. I've wrestled my yeah, last match. Probably Brock. Probably Brock. Probably. But do you think that... Here, here's a question from Steve here. Do yes, you Steve? think... Do you think that they will give Brock... The type of send off with a documentary. No, he'll just go away. He'll, you think he'll just go away? Mm -hmm. I'm, I think I'm inclined to to agree with that. But if Vince wants to, because uh, you have to admit, the entirety of Undertaker's last year has been a pretty big success for the WWE. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. If Brock were interested and the price was right. I could see them maybe trying yeah, to do Yeah, I don't the same know what thing. his interest level would be, like especially doing something 
because Brock seems so like revealing, really, so revealing. Yes, Brock yeah. seems like a very private person, and, and Undertaker for better part of thirty years was was all about protecting his character. And when he realized it was time for him to step away, and they start, you know, letting you know the, the letting us look behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, there's not that level of mystique about Brock Lesnar. He's just kind of Brock Lesnar. Mm. Um, and yeah, it'd be great to hear some of the stories he has. I'm sure they're they're incredible. I just don't know if he's inclined to do that. Yeah, that he's was seen, uh, you know even just based on that on the Steve Austin interview that he had uh, on the network before Broke Skull, he doesn't seem like the most uh, uh, revealing of individuals. You know, yeah. that was uh, one of the interesting things that uh, you know we often talk about. One of the more interesting things to us in wrestling is where the character begins, where the human being ends, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and. You know, Austin broached that last night uh, early mm-hmm. on. You know, he's after 30 years, you're everywhere now. How does that feel? And Undertaker, one thing about Undertaker is that he, he seems like a like a very grounded person who doesn't, who obviously is confronted with that, has mm-hmm. reflected on it. But there isn't, there isn't the same level of um, conflict within him about that. Like as compared to guys like Ric Flair, where yeah. he Ric Flair basically wants nothing to do with Richard Fleer. Yeah. Richard Fleer. Yeah. He always wanted to be with Undertaker was much more. I've got this is a business that if I don't completely focus on it and give my mind to it and sacrifice my relationships for it, it will be taken away from me. Somebody will take my spot. Yeah. Um, it was I mean, much. It, it seemed like. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was much less of a, a conflict of identity as yeah. it was, this is something that I have to do to keep my family fit. Yeah, totally. That's, yeah, I was just going to cover that same ground that, that with, I mean, like the whole point of that Ric Flair documentary was, it was, it was you know, the, thematically all about, you know, identity. Who is Ric Flair? Does Richard Flair even still exist? And you don't get that same, the conflict, the conflict with the Undertaker in that same respect, but you got it right. It was all about protecting himself, his character, the business, um, to keep food on his table, keep his family provided for. Um, you know, you never got the sense that there was a massive overlap between Undertaker and Mark Calloway. Mm-hmm. You know, within mm-hmm. him. You know, he 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 because he, he talked about even on his days off being engulfed in the business, not like he was at home wanting to be the Undertaker. Right. He would just always had his mind the business because for five days out of the week, 24 hours a day, that's what his mind was on, and it's hard to break out of that routine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never really got the sense that when he went home, you know, like he was he was being the Undertaker with his kids, you know? Mm-hmm. We also forgot to, uh, to recap his thoughts on Brock ending the streak and how he didn't mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. you know, he, 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 was, he went along with it because he, he always been a guy to go along with what Vince wants. He made sure that Vince was cool with it, you know. He made sure Vince reflected on it when he was approached. Yeah. But uh, he said, you know, I love Brock. Brock is great, but he had already done so much that it, he didn't feel like it was going to elevate him. And again, he reiterated, I thought two years later, it should have been it should have been Roman two years mm-hmm. later. He said mm-hmm. that would have taken him to the next level. I, as a fan, kind of disagree with that. I thought that it actually did go for, take Brock because when Brock came back, he ate losses. Yeah. Um, he lost uh, Triple H. Lost he lost to, to Triple H. He lost to uh, didn't he lose to CM Punk? Or, yeah. or okay. No, he lost to Cena in Triple H. I think that's it. Okay. 
And then after he beat Taker, I mean, that's when really it began. He went on that tear, yeah. Went yeah. on like the big tear, and he I think he did become that complete and total monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, I thought it was a uh, I, I it was kind of interesting from his perspective. Talking I mean, I, about his pers- I, you know, I get his perspective. It's kind of old school in that if you're gonna, you know, sort of like when you retire, you go out in your back and you try to put someone over who needs it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And I guess it's the same idea with 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 retiring the streak, if you will. If you're gonna, you know, uh, have someone beat him to end the streak, make make damn sure someone who needs that. Yeah. And you know it's it's debatable whether Brock needed it. I agree with you. After ending the streak, that's when Brock went in that massive tear. It's when he destroyed Cena at SummerSlam. After that, all that stuff. They made the most the of it. They really did make the most of it. They did. They did. Um, but just imagine the heat that Roma would have got at that Raw after Mania after Mania 33. If not only he had beat the Undertaker, but he ended the streak. Like it was huge that night. It was massive. If he was the one to end the streak, I mean, I don't know how he, he could have had more heat on him, but it would have been a lot more. So if it was at 33 when we were there, yeah. yeah. If it was two years, because that if, if, if Taker was thinking at 32, mm. um, Roman, they had actually booked Roman, like in that build, like with the Sheamus thing. Yeah, yeah. If Roman had maintained, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that at that point... You know, people were willing to go with Roman uh, around 32. It's just the match ended up stinking. Dude, we talk about it all the time. He was like super over when when well, Sheamus cashed in on him. Yeah, it was. There was that stretch when he when he punched Vince and beat the hell out of mm-hmm. Triple H, got the belt back. But then right after that happened is when Dean Ambrose really started. Like it, it seemed like Roman took a backseat to Dean when Dean was, yeah, was feuding that, with Triple H it, before it fell that apart mania. At that point, it fell apart. At that so point. it kind they of had you know, going have, into. Yeah. Ma- they would have had to completely get away from the whole Triple H aspect of things. And who knows, yeah, you know, sure. it, yeah. once you step in the ring with The Undertaker and the streaks on the line, everybody's rooting for The Undertaker and everybody's rooting for that streak to continue. That extra year, though, of of them being so willy-nilly with Roman mm-hmm. really amplified the heat that we got at 33, especially because oh, yeah. it was the idea that Roman had retired him. Now, you could be right. I mean, maybe, maybe especially if, if his streak had continued through until 33, and they were still being willy-nilly with Roman, and that match that we saw was the streak ending and retiring and the Undertaker. It might have been even more nuclear, but man, I was—we were there. I don't know how much uh, more nuclear could have been. I don't know how much more, but I feel like it would. Riots, have been. maybe riots. I don't know, man. Tomatoes being thrown at Roman. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg Morris, if the looming specter of Charlotte has her face, Oscar for the title is this when Oscar gets a big win? In terms of telling their story, yes. Because Charlotte's always kind of had Oscar's number, I'm just worried that they're going to put that belt on. I'll go back to what Triple H said: that the finish to the match at uh, in your house will make sense. He said three or four months from now, it might be closer to eight or nine. But if Charlotte walks into Mania, take on Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Title, and Rhea beats her there, that might be a story they want to tell more so than Oscar finally getting that win over Charlotte. I'd much rather see Oscar uh, get the win over Charlotte because you can always wait and tell that story with Rhea and Charlotte a year from now. You can wait on that one. I feel like Oscar, especially over the last couple months where they haven't done really anything with her, Oscar um, really needs to get that win over Charlotte to really uh, cement her status um, within WWE. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's kind of my, my my feeling on it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I get the feeling that what you're saying is probably right. They probably want 
they probably would rather have Rhea versus Charlotte be the thing. But, I mean, I don't know. Asuka, you and I, Royce, I, I, sometimes I feel like my concern for Asuka is, over, like, is always, like, overstated because... <laughs> Like she's had a she had a pretty goddamn good run in WWE. So if I mean, she, this year has been amazing. It, it's been it's been amazing, and yeah, we want to see her get her reward, which should be a win over Charlotte. Uh, but at the same time, like you know, she's she's had it pretty darn good. She's <laughs> so, had a good year. You know, if she if she ends uh, up having to take another loss to Charlotte, I mean, you know, it, it's yeah, it's it sucks if they're just setting up something else. But Oscar. Oscar will be just fine. She'll be fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. Uh, Nick asks, if Bianca Belair doesn't win the Rumble, who can you see winning it? Pick one from each brand. Will Rhea Ripley on Raw? Uh, oh, I think it'd be pretty cool be. if Sonya Deville uh, came back, smacked down, and won the Rumble. I think it's going to be Bailey. I yeah. just, I, I think that like you know Sasha, Sasha and her, they're they're doing this thing where they're making Sasha into like a huge deal. Um, a mania match between those two would be just off the charts. Um, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if, I don't know. I don't know if it'd shock me or not. If, uh, you know, these wrestlers, man, they're, they're itching to get back into it. Wouldn't shock me if Becky Lynch won the rumble, you know? I mean, I don't even know if medically it'd be possible. But it wouldn't shock me because what at the end of January is that the that's the Rumble, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if she gives birth, you know, in the next couple of weeks, uh, I could see her kicking her ass to get back into. I mean, yeah, who you knows? Know, it wouldn't shock me because wrestlers—they're yeah. crazy, man. They're crazy. They just want to get back into it. No, that's true. So that that's wouldn't true. shock. If if she's an option, she's totally winning it. If she's an option, um, but if not, uh, I could see it being Bailey for sure. I could totally see it being yeah. Bailey. Uh, Anthony Tobias, now that Seth is taking time off, how do you feel his heel run? How do you feel about his heel run for the past year went? I think uh, if it wasn't for the. There's a lot of bad luck. There's a lot of bad luck. AOP, uh, what, Razar getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Ray getting hurt. The actual Um, character of Seth Rollins as a heel in this iteration, I really like. I really like the whole, you know. uh, Monday Night Messiah guy, the, the well, religious. He, he essentially took his Twitter persona mm-hmm, um, yeah. and kind of turned it up to eleven. And so I say, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader of Monday Night Raw. This is my show. I'm, yeah. you know, at first, like on Twitter, he was like Ultimate WWE cheerleader. You take that to the extreme, and you kind of get what Seth had become. Well, yeah, he's taken the cult of WWE and and forming, yeah. you know, his uh, his uh, what was the name of that dude, Jim uh, Jim Jones, Jim Jones, Jim, Jim Jones, yeah. Um, so no, I like it, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that like it, it did run into a lot of bad luck. You had the whole, you know, Ray getting injured. So I think that feud is probably just expended, extended way too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam is undertaker truly done or could you see him in an authority style TV role? <laughs> nah. nah. I, at this point, nothing would shock me. I, I think that I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing would shock me, but. Because he, here's the thing about him. He just sort of does whatever. Like, if Vince wants him to do that, I'll put it this way. If Vince wanted it, he'd do it. He'd yeah, definitely do it if Vince wanted him to do it. He's not going to say no. Like, some guys will say no to Vince. Undertaker doesn't say no to Vince. So, if, if Vince wanted it, he'd do it. Potentially. Yeah, maybe. Uh, NJWP, book a Raw versus SmackDown. War Games. War Games. Match. Well, give me Keith Lee. Give me Braun. 
Give me AJ. Wow, it's just Team Raw. Well, those three, and then uh, Jeff Hardy, because he could do something crazy off the top of the of the cage. So that's why I wouldn't put him in there. And then Team SmackDown. You want Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan. Oh, scary. Lars Sullivan. Mm-hmm. So he needs someone of some size in there to take on Keith Lee mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and Braun. Oh yeah, Otis. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. I'm not Team Raw's winning that one again. Uh, <laughs> Lord Ziffer, who should challenge and beat the current mid card champ? So who should beat Bob Lashley? Mustafa Ali is the correct answer. Oh, no, nah, man, not not with retribution the way it is right now. Hey, man, he's won two patches in a row. I know, but like you need to for me to believe that you got to make retribution into a real thing. Who should beat Bob Lashley? Uh, is Ricochet still on Raw? Mm-hmm. Tucker. <laughs> Senor Tucky. Daniel Ricochet, Bryan should. Ricochet. Daniel Bryan should beat a uh, Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, so the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I'm gonna say Otis. Oh yeah. Why not? He's got Gable with him now. And then have Gable swerve him and have Gable take yeah, it off Yeah, of course him. Gable's going to swerve him. This is all what it's leading to is Gable swerving him. Well, yeah. So Mr. why not put the Intercontinental? You want to see? You don't want to see Gable get the Intercontinental Championship? It'd be great. I, would, I wouldn't mind that at all. However, oh, I, I, yeah. I'd, skip, I'd skip the step with uh, Otis winning it. Oh, Mr. Biff Top Otis Johnny, what has been your favorite entrance attire of 2020 so far? Uh, Biff Top Johnny says it's Seth Rollins, SummerSlam, and the New Day Survivor Series. Yeah, Seth's oh, SummerSlam stuff is pretty cool. Hard to beat the uh, hard to beat the, the, the Gears day. of War stuff. The with Gears of War was, stuff was insane. It's hard to beat insane. that. Uh, Bianca on a week to week basis oh, is man. just bringing just amazing stuff. Uh, and yeah. then everything everything that Sasha wears when she cuts promos looks mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, <laughs> bronze so garden ass. gloves. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what kind of weird $1,000 Undertaker cameo do you want to see next? And how weird is it that WWE is letting uh, the Dead Man film cameos backstage at the Thunderdome when other wrestlers can't be a part of these third-party websites? What was the name? That, that is kind of really rubbing uh, wrestlers' nose and, and doo-doo when Undertaker's back there probably by catering, shooting all these cameos, and everyone's there. everyone else there is like, oh, I can't do this. This is all money I can't be making. What's uh? Yeah, they can, or they just buy in. Just buy into it, man. Just opt in. You'll be fine. You'll be good. Oh, let me check. Let me see. Let me see who else has. Maybe it's maybe it's spurred a wave of WWE know. wrestlers to do that. Um, what there was some. One of them was. Uh, he said all elite, and it was what what it was like all elite Scooby Doo. Scooby. <laughs> all elite Scooby Doo. That's what I'm going to refer to you as now. All elite Scooby Doo. <laughs> Oh, that's terrific. Let's see here. WWE. Oh, how much is oh, Steve Harvey's 450 bucks? Uh, while you look into that, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Dalton's question here. Would you rather see Big E take the universal title off Roman at Mania or Keith Lee take the WWE title off Drew? Keith Lee. So do you want? Yeah? Yeah. Big E. That's my answer. Sean Lathrop, who did it better? AEW's thirty years of Jericho or WWE's thirty years of Undertaker? Oh, it's it's that's unfair. That's not fair, man. That's not fair. Of course, it's uh, of 
course it's Undertaker. Get out of here with that. They couldn't. What, AW the actual couldn't... ceremony? The actual ceremony they're talking about. Yeah. What was Jericho's? It wasn't he had a bunch M- of cameos from his friends. Remember that? And MJF came out and gave and and, and uh, with the clown and all that. Oh, and clearly was, took the clown's yeah. head off with the Judas effect. No, that was a clown show, man. Undertaker had a freaking hologram of Paul Bear. Get out oh, of here! That wasn't, you, huh? that was, wasn't even close. Top for you. I didn't. Nobody. Nobody was on Twitter tearing up over Jericho's thirty years of Jericho. Uh, the thing from under the ring, how different would WWE be if Brett agreed to drop to Sean and the Montreal Screwjob didn't happen? So that's just what we've gotten the Mr. McMahon character. Man, what a great know, question. Man. What I a know. great question. Um, uh, I, I don't I, I I'll put it this. I kind of feel like McMahon would have cracked that anyways. Because in some ways it was kind of obvious. Well, they'd um, already he and Stone Cold have already had already mm-hmm. had some yep. altercations by that point. And, yeah, you know, I guess even they still could have done something along those lines coming out of the end of Mania 14 with Mike Tyson being involved and all that. You know, I, I just think I just think the screw job just added so much legitimacy to the idea that sure. Vince was. You know, like the the, the the living embodiment of the asshole boss. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because yeah. we saw that manifested in a very real way uh, at Survivor Series 97. I'm trying to remember. I'll have to, I'd have to go back, and I'm kind of curious about that now. So I remember the first appearance of McMahon after that was obviously that sit-down interview with oh, yeah, I remember, I remember that Brett. so well. Yeah. But it wasn't – he wasn't in full – and I'm trying to remember what – came after that sit down interview when the you know there was the Tyson thing when yeah. you well, know he, still he was like you ruined it you ruined that. it but yeah. him doing that with the you ruined it you ruined it stuff I mean I don't know if 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 he would have had the thought to become like the boss figure um I mean was he openly acknowledged as the boss as like the CEO prior to the Montreal screw job because I know for a spell he was just like the comment he was just like the commentator and they they would make like little veiled references. I don't remember to the it. exact timing of it, but it was all yeah. kind of around then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh Justin asks, what's the over under on Keith Lee winning the rumble to challenge either champion? I mean, you got you got I'll I'll believe Big E when I see it. If they start pushing him this Friday, then I'll believe that it's a possibility. But, you know, yeah. they have him doing a whole lot of nothing. Um, Keith Lee is a, is a great is a great answer. Mm-hmm. Sheamus is a possibility for Drew. Sheamus mm-hmm. is totally a possibility for Drew. I'm not, not sure I want to see it. Between now and then, yeah. Um, I mean, who Depends else? For, book the story. Who else for Mania then? Because I mean, they've been doing these backstage segments, which have been really legit. I yeah, think, yeah, dude, yeah. I would, I would, I think it's totally. Bl- Drew ain't gonna main event. He's not gonna yeah, main event. It's gonna be especially Roman. If it's yeah, it's Roman Rock, especially if Roman Rock main events. Yeah. If it's Rock, it's uh, obviously one hundred percent that. Yeah. If it's not, I mean, I don't know if 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 they really do think they're gonna get Becky. I mean, we we talked about this before how there's a couple options that they seem to be on the table, mm-hmm. but I think it's sort of furthest away is is Drew McIntyre main eventing, and if that's the case. 
I think they could tell a really effective story. And I, I'm not like, I know for one at one time when he was the lobster head song, I was a Seamus guy. I haven't really been a Seamus guy. I, I have been appreciating him more lately, especially with this Team Raw stuff and the Big E stuff. I've been appreciating him more. Um, but with the backstage stuff with Drew, if they can make it personal, dude, I'd be all about that if they can tell a really yeah, good story. Yeah, the potential's there. The potential's yeah. there. I just don't know question. who I just don't know who else for for Drew. I mean, it's like Keith Lee's a good answer. Yeah. Um. I just don't know who else. You know, for him, Randy Orton again, Mister Dope. Um. That's a good question here. Who's booked stronger, the Big Dog, the or the big... Tribal Chief? In terms of in ring, for the most part, the Big Dog. Big Dog, because yeah. he never had a cheat to win. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne Maker. WWE has some really colorful managers, has had some really colorful managers over the years, but they are a bit thin on the ground these days. Who would you see transitioning to a manager's role once they are done in the ring? The Miz. Mm. Have Miz be a manager. That'd be good. I could see that. It'd be weird, but I could see that. Sami Zayn. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Sami Zayn could be a great one. Uh, forever young since they were part of the final three and had a one on one off from the dual brand battle Royal. Do you think we can get a Kurt angle versus Ray Mysterio out of Chad Gable and Dominic Mysterio? Oh, that'd be cool. Um, they had a real, that was a great sequence. That was really good. Yeah. That, 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 I, I, that'd be fun to see. Uh, Gareth with the Thanksgiving question. What's the Thanksgiving meal survivor series. Each of you pick a team. Give us one main dish, team captains, and their side dish teammates. We'll draft this. Oh, my gosh. I don't really have something to flip. You know, I got a pick here, but there's okay. no real heads or tails. Hmm. I used to have a coin. Uh, I won last night predictions. You get first pick, Steve. What do you got? You got turkey, don't you? Well, yeah, of course I'm going to get turkey. It's the Roman Reigns of Thanksgiving meal. Okay. I'm going to take turducken. <laughs> okay. Wait, doesn't that just mean you only get ducking? <laughs> because I've already taken the tur part. No, you get a turkey just by itself. I get a, a, a chicken stuffed and a duck stuffed in a turkey. Fair enough. I've never actually right. had turducken before. Neither have I. Uh, What's your first number, side? My first side, uh, I, I gotta go, I'm going stuffing. All right. Good choice. choice. I mean, I know stuffing comes in the turkey sometimes, but I, I like it on the side. I'll go with mashed potatoes. Oh, quality, quality. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, man. I'm actually, I'm going for, I'm going for like what's book strong. So at this point now for my next side, I'm going to go with what Steve wants and what I'm probably going to eat most of, mac and cheese. Oh, man. Although not, nobody not. even, nobody even brings that to my, to my Thanksgiving meals. That's not a, that's not a traditional Thanksgiving dish. That's why I'm going it's with the candied not. yams next. Oh, that's a waste. I'm gonna oh, go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, this. Actually, my mom does bring to Thanksgiving, uh, and it might not sound spectacular, but holy crap, it's ma it's amazing. Her scalloped potatoes are so damn good. All right, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I mean, you got mashed potatoes. You need gravy. Give me the gravy. Well, great. No, you get you get that with the mashed potatoes. Don't put gravy on there. Right, Nobody eats gravy on its own. That's fine. Yeah, go ahead and take All another right. pick. Um, I'll go with the green bean casserole. Yes, I hate that shit. 
Give me rolls. <laughs> Give me some nice soft rolls with butter. <laughs> uh, turkey stuffing mac and it, mine is all carbs. Mac and yeah, cheese. Yeah, I mean that's what Thanksgiving is. Apart rolls. from your your protein, it's just all carbs. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, wait. You know what? No, get rolls what? out of there. Give me pumpkin pie. <laughs> well, desserts is okay. Fine, fine. I'll go apple pie then. There you go. All right. Anyways, uh, let's see here. You know what? Twitch chat, we're going to stick around. We're, we're running low on time. Twitch chat, we'll stick around and answer some more questions. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Is that a shoot? Help support Going In Raw today by becoming a Friendo Club TV member. You'll get access to new bonus episodes every week, including Friendo Club Arcade, Live Power Rank, Vintage 10 for the Wins, and Ask Steven Larson. Get access to Friendo Club TV today by becoming a $5 and up patron at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson, by throwing us a sub at twitch.tv forward slash Steven Larson, or by clicking join at youtube.com forward slash Steven Larson. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.